Even though parts of him were lost, there were still parts of him that that light bulb and things we could tap into. And, and that's what happens when you take care of the human being and not the disease. Welcome back to Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. This is part two of our two-part conversation with Mary Underwood, Executive Director of Artist Way. In part one, we discussed becoming a caregiver, preparation techniques, and how to deal with caregiver guilt. So if you missed part one, go ahead and give that a listen first. We'll wait right here for you. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. Working in this field, we it's been 20 years now. Um, sometimes it's like being a, a doctor and all of a sudden you're sick and you know too much. Yeah. And there's this underlying trepidation or fear that if this happens to me, what that feeling is going to be like. And, you know, I've talked to some family members and we know that age, mm-hmm. the, the, the older you get, the, the greater your chances. Yeah. So I try to educate. And I and I was talking to my daughter about that. The one thing that everybody asks for, do they still recognize you? Yeah. And, you know, and I said to her, if that day comes, what I'd like you to do is smile, tell me your name, and talk to me about your mother. Yeah. And she said, that'll never happen to you, but I'll tell my friends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's such a, you know, and, and I work a lot with, associates who work with families and I think care professionals the thing they say you know families are in denial families are so difficult and I'm like families are on a road and they're they have a it's a fork they either accept a disease that has no cure that has no treatment that they couldn't do anything to prevent really or they can deny for a little bit longer so if a family is on the road to denial I really am okay with that as long as it's not a you know a safety issue or a, you know but it's okay to, because the opposite of the denial is accepting something that nobody ever wants to have to accept. And they know, we knew them before. Right. And they don't look very different. Right. So we expect them to be the same. Right, right. And if ever there was an issue like being stubborn, and all of a sudden they're stubborn over more things, you think that's more of the same. Right, right. Yep. I wish my son, my grandmother had dementia. She had multi-infarct dementia um, many years ago. And my son at the time was five and she was in a skilled facility. Um, And I remember bringing bringing him and I wish I had videotaped it. Had I known how it was going to play out, I would have. But we go in and I always used to say, hey, Graham, it's Mary. Oh, hi, Mary. So it kind of gave her that orientation. Orientation. Well, I didn't do it with Connor, my son. And Connor hopped on the bed and she looks at him and she goes, now what's your name? And he said, Connor. She goes, I have a grandson, Connor. And I'm sitting there going, oh, this is going to go bad real quickly. (laughs) And she's like, he goes, oh, okay. Well, what do you like, Connor? He goes, I like dinosaurs. My Connor likes dinosaurs too. And for about 15 minutes, she had a conversation with Connor about him. (laughs) And I just kind of sat back and the mom instinct wanted to jump in. And I'm just like, "Let let me see what happens. So at the end of the visit, we go to leave, and she said, can you give me a hug? My Connor always gives me a hug. And he says, oh, oh, yeah, and he got down and gives her a hug. And she says, it was so nice to meet you. And I thought, now we're done. And he looked at her at five years old and said, it was so nice to meet you, too. And I just, like, had this pride of, oh, my gosh. So he takes my hand, we get in the hallway, and he goes, Mommy? I go, yes, dear. He goes, 
you know I know her, right? I said, oh, I do, I do. He's like, okay. He just wanted to make sure that he was the sane one in this group. But he just, at five years old, went with it. And I wish I could show people that if a five-year-old can get it, you can get it. And it was just such a, it was a proud mama moment to see that he just lived with whatever the moment was with her. And here you are still talking about and it. And here I am still talking about it. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Great. Using with a tear in my eye. So You know, it's it's interesting. We, you, we had talked about the drafting table and the supervisor. My dad grew up on a farm in Italy. Okay. Wow. Okay. And the first year he was with us, I put this little garden in, just grow some tomatoes because I'm Italian and that's what you that's do. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> More tomatoes than you'll ever need in your life. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Okay. No such thing. <laughs> So um, I had this flower pot on the railing of the deck, and the wind blew it off, and it broke one of the tomato plants. It was broke mm-hmm. the stem. And my dad told me about it, and I said, oh, well, I'll swing by the store and get another one tomorrow. He says, no, 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 I took care of it. I said, you took care of it? He says, yeah, it'll be fine. And I said, how's it going to be fine? So he took me out and showed me that he put a Band-Aid on the break, and he put a stick in the ground, a twig, and he used a long blade of grass and tied it to the stick. And he went out and he checked on it every day, and you know that was the most prolific tomato plant we had that year. Probably, yeah, yeah. The TLC, but his, oh no, you don't, no, you don't have to. But how many people, I think one of the things as caregivers we don't get right all the time is that we don't listen to them. Right. That we don't think they can. Right. Um, and they can. They they absolutely, I, you know, 33 years of doing this, I still have moments where I go, wow, like they really still are able to. And I love those moments. Um, we, in February, in one of our communities, we did a um, blood pressure clinic. It was, you know, Black History Month and the theme was health and wellness. So we provided all of our associates with a blood pressure clinic. Um, healthy snacks and information about our employee assistance program. And in one of our communities, we had a former director of nursing. And she, we got her a white coat and she went in and she actually did the blood pressures of our associates. Um, Again, people think, oh, they can't, they can. And I love, we actually have a program called I Can in one of our, in all of our communities. Um, Because when people hear Alzheimer's and dementia, they think about the can't. Mm-hmm. And we so think about the can and the possibilities. And like I said, it, it's as strange as it sounds, it's it's fun when you find that thing that works. That light bulb. That light bulb. Yeah. And they all have that light bulb. It's harder to find in some than others, but they all have that light bulb. Well, one of the things about aging, even before a dementia, is people look at you in a certain way and expect you to be a certain way. And I am the same Bobby I've been all of my life. The fact that I'm a senior citizen doesn't mean that who I've been all of my life has gone away. So when I get a brain disease, should I, one of these, even though some of this leaves my consciousness, there's still a whole lot of all that happened to me all those years before I got here. Yeah, that you weren't, 
our, our residents were not put on this planet as 83-year-old people with dementia. Exactly. That they were somebody's newborn baby. They were, you know, a teenager. They were in love for the first time. They got their license. They got married. You know, all those things, those experiences. Um, and I think, again, not even in the world of dementia, but just as we look at seniors, mm-hmm. that we forget that they've had all those experiences. Yeah, when Roger talked about making his own skis to go skiing down the mountains in Italy or going to town having with the mule to pick up supplies <laughs> for the farm and having to prod the mule going down, but having to rush to keep up with the mule yeah. on the way back because the <laughs> mule wanted to get back home and or rolling up the carpets in the kitchen and dancing the tango in the oh, kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Like it's Again, to me, it's so exciting to learn about not who they were, but who they are. Yeah. Um, and I think we do think who they were. And the disease does change. My dad changed, you know, very significantly um, personality-wise. He, you know, he was this gregarious, he was a sports writer, you know, always had a joke, always sang too loudly in church, you know, all those things. And, and as, you know, the disease progressed, he became very flat. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember telling him that... Um, my son, his only grandson, um, received an all he was an all conference athlete at the college he went to. And my dad went, "That's nice." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, no, that's I miss the because the old dad would have yeah. just yeah. been like he would have gone to every table at the restaurant going, "My grandson, you know and yeah. so even though parts of him were lost, there were still parts of him. That, that light bulb and things we could tap into. And, and that's what happens when you take care of the human being mm-hmm. and not the disease. We had a woman, and people thought we were out of our minds. We had a woman in our um, local, one of our local communities who, um, she was an equestrian her whole life. And there was a horse show in town, and it had a special needs class. And it was, ki- it was you know, people who had autism. It had some mm-hmm. people that were Down syndrome. And, and we're like, okay, you know, let's see. And she entered that horse show. And people are like, what if she falls? I go, I'm sure it's not the first time she's fallen off a horse. Like she's, and she won a blue ribbon. <laughs> and awesome. just proudly displayed that blue ribbon. Was there risk involved? Absolutely. But it's again, it's that partnership with the family that says, what risk are you willing to take for mm-hmm. this benefit? And some families are very risk adverse and say, no, no, no. And others are like, let's go for it. Let's, let's see what happens. So um it's so exciting to see somebody with a disease that others think so poorly of yeah. be so successful. We mentioned that you twice received the Alzheimer's Association Outstanding Caregiver of the Year Award. I did. But <laughs> you were also inducted into your high school hall of fame for your work with the Alzheimer's care. I was. Um, and I think looking back on that moment, it was um, my dad was the one who introduced me. And it was before he had dementia. So that was a very special day. But um, it's, it's one of those things, you know, they, inter- they inducted um, like five or six people every year. And I'm sitting around with the people going, why me? Like, because to me, what I do is just so natural and it's so who I am. Like when I get to a care community, if you don't let me clear the tables and if you don't let me do stuff and have a purpose, forget it. Um, but I was, it was uh, several years ago and uh, my family was there and it was, it was an honor to be recognized for the work I do. And uh, it was, it was a I, nice I, honor. I, I got to imagine going back to your high school is different 
a completely different feeling. It is. It feels like a lifetime ago, and then it, when you walk the halls by those lockers or by the cafeteria, yeah. it's like, I was just here, and I was very athletic in my high school days, and my, my high school track coach is the same track coach still there, which is amazing to me. Wow. Um, yeah, and he asked me if I would come and speak to the team. And I remember going, wow. And I, when I was talking to them, I looked at them thinking, okay, I, it wasn't that long ago I was your age. And then I think, oh, it was so long ago that I was your <laughs> age. And um, it is, it's fascinating to think about what you, know, what you think when you're in those high school years and how you think your life is gonna go. Because I, I always thought I was, you know, I was going to be a physical therapist. I was going to work with kids, and that's what was going to happen. And, you know, I was going to be married and have six kids and be a part-time mom. And, boy, I'm not further from that than I, <laughs> than I could be. But, but that circles back to understanding who the person was, what they did, and what they can still do yep, yep. as part of the care community. And, and the care community and, you know, when people are afraid of facilities or going to communities or, and I totally understand the reluctance when we moved our dad to um, the nursing home. Let me just say, I'm not sure I would want me as a family member because I, I call them on the carpet many times about you're taking care of the disease, not my dad. The day my, and I think that, again, that's where the, the mistake comes in is we think we're taking care of the disease right. and we're not. And the day we moved my dad into the nursing home was the day before Thanksgiving, um, five, I think five years ago now. And we got him all settled. He knew he was going. We made the promise of he will always get the care he needs. I don't know mm -hmm. where that will be. I don't know what that will look like. Um, so he moved in the day before Thanksgiving. As we're getting ready to leave, um, I said to the nurse, I said, just so you know, we're going to pick my dad up tomorrow at 11 o'clock. She goes, ooh, bad idea. <laughs> I went, oh, oh, okay. She, I said, thank you. She goes, um, I said, thank you for your opinion, but we'll be picking dad up tomorrow at 11 o'clock. <sighs> you know, he just got here. I said, I know. I walked him to the door. I was here. I think I remember that. <laughs> and she's like, okay, so you know he just got here. I said, yes, and we'll be picking him up tomorrow at 11 o'clock. You know, when they come in, they need time to adjust. I go, well, I said, thank you very much for your opinion. You've known my dad an hour and a half. I've known him 55 years. I think we're in a position to make that decision better than you are. And she goes, oh, so you're picking your dad up at 11 o'clock. I said, yes, we are. <laughs> Bazinga. And we picked him up and I knew he would, and he went back without any issue, without hesitation. But again, how many family members would have listened and said, oh, well, they said I shouldn't take dad home, so I'm not going to. That's because some facilities, some care communities take care of the disease and not the person and don't partner with the people that know the person. And there's a number of places that will say don't come for two weeks or, you know. I, I tell people if somebody says don't come for two weeks, run. Because I, the R in artist is respecting and maintaining relationships. So to say to a wife who's been there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, taking care of this disease, leave your husband and don't come for two weeks. No, it's not going to happen. You know, we visited my dad again. We went the next day. It's often what we'll say to families on that, and even before the day of move-in, we'll say, when do you think you're ready to come back? Because sometimes families need to come back that night. Right. Some say, is it okay if I don't come for a couple days? It's whatever you need, we will. Yeah, some need to rest for a couple yes. of days. They yeah. need to sleep yep. for the, through the night for the first time Because ever. we care for the family almost yeah. more than we care 
I find caring for the residents very easy. It's the families who need a little more TLC. And that's often, you know, I tell the people that I consult with, um, I care much about you as I do the person that you're taking care of. Absolutely. And we need to find ways that work for you within your situation yep. to make it better for you. Yep. And I think caregivers need to know that you may not be the best. Exactly. You know, that you stressed and anxious and short-tempered is not what your dad deserves. Right. He deserves better. And that's when families can look at it that way, all of a sudden it's like, this isn't about me not being able to do it. It's about my dad deserving better than what I can give. And, and how open are your facilities um, to family members dropping in? 24-7. Oh, I'm so glad. We do not that. have visiting hours. Um, we don't have... COVID through a whole loop in that, but yes. um, the front door is secured after there's nobody in the front lobby. But if somebody works, you know, three to 11 and says, I want to come by and see my mom at 1130 and they come, we've had family members spend the night with their loved ones. If somebody says, I really am going to miss washing and doing my mom's hair every week, then you come in and wash and do your mom's hair every week. It's, uh, we train our, our associates that no matter where the person lives, the family is still the primary caregiver. Even if they don't do one bit of hands-on care, they are still the primary caregiver. And that's truly the attitude that we take. Well, I know where I'm going. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on in. So I hope you don't need us. Um, it's just, it's such, it's such a different way. Again, when you take care of the human being, it's just so different. It's just very different. Well, Mary, I... Sincerely, thank you for coming in. You've been such a joy. Oh, well, thank you. And, and you also, it's, it's, it flew by. I, I feel like we can talk for another two hours. Yeah. Oh, and we could. Least. Yeah, <laughs> we could. Awesome. So, yeah, and I would love to come back anytime or, or even chat offline. So. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I can't thank you enough. You're welcome. Thank you. You can find more information about Mary and links to Artist Senior Living website on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.